good morning. Nobody saw me almost take that speaker out with the table, right? You all missed that? I'm thankful for bad eyesight this morning. Hey, uh, uh, seriously, one of the things I am thankful for is Daniel and leading us in worship. Uh, Yes, thank you. Absolutely. Hey, good morning. My name is Joe Merrick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey, and we are thrilled that you are here with us today. Uh, And uh, we are in the midst of a series called The Search for Happiness. We're going to be talking about that in just a few minutes. But before we do that, let me talk about a few housekeeping items. Number one, I want to make sure everybody reaches into the seat back in front of them. And there you're going to find a Connect card. Uh, A Connect card is just an incredibly valuable piece of paper to us as a church. Uh, It's our desire to have one of these from every family here. Uh, It lets us know that you're here, but more than that, there are prayer requests you can write down there that get prayed for by the leadership team. Um, There are, you can mark just different decisions that you've made, like inviting Christ into your life, recommitting your uh, life to Christ. Um, Maybe you want to volunteer for something, you can write that down. Uh, Make sure you fill that card out. You can then uh, take that card, and at the end of our service, when the offering bags are going by, you can put that in there. If you miss those, there's some baskets, uh, Mark Connect cards, as you walk out today. With that, let me just pray for us, and we'll jump in. God, there are so many blessings right here in this room. So many ways you are touching uh, people's lives, so many ways you are working in our hearts, and God, we want to say thank you for that. We want to say thank you for this place. We want to say thank you for what you are doing here. God, we ask that in these next few moments, you open our ears and our eyes, and God, most importantly, our hearts to what you want to say to us. In your name we pray, amen. So many of us are in a search. We're looking, we're searching for happiness. And we think we can find it in lots of different places. We think that sometimes we'll find a happiness in the next relationship, in the next job, in the next place, in the next promotion. And what happens so many times, what happens again and again is when we get to that next place, happiness right? It's elusive. And so happiness then moves again, and we're left wondering, well, where did it go? Where is it? I I thought it was supposed to be here, but it's not. The Bible understands this tendency that you have, that I have, to be on the search for happiness. The Bible also understands that more often than not, we look in the wrong places. We look in the wrong places. And so what happens is the search goes on and on and on. And we keep searching and searching and searching. That's what we've been talking about this month here in this series. And today we're going to talk about something that steals away our happiness, steals away our joy, and that is ingratitude, being 
unthankful steals our joy. In fact, let's get this just right out in front in the beginning. It's impossible to be ungrateful and happy at the same time. If we're talking about the search for happiness, we got to understand that we can't at the same time be ungrateful and happy in the same moment. As I was uh, doing some reading this week on this topic, one of the authors that I was reading, he was talking about his experience with marathons. He said, in a marathon, you, you meet two kinds of people. The first, the first is the complainer. The one who says, I can't believe my, son, my friend signed me up for this. My legs hurt. Is that another hill coming? He said, when you get next to those people, what you do is you get away as fast as you can because they're going to bring you down, right? Pretty soon, you're going to start feeling your legs a little more and worried about the terrain you're running and all of those things. The second person he said that you find is somebody who is just grateful. They have gratitude. Maybe they're tired, right? I mean, it's a marathon, but, but they're grateful. They, they, they're looking around. They can't believe all the people that came to cheer everybody on. They're, they're thankful for a body that is able to run. They're thankful for uh, the weather and just the day. The author said, those are the people you run next to as long as you can. Why? Because they're going to lift you up. They're going to propel you forward. It's the same thing. It's the same thing, not just in marathons, but in life. Everyday life, we run into those same two kinds of people. If we spend too much time with the complainer, it, it starts to bring us down. We find the grateful people, the grateful people, the people who are thankful, the people who marvel at waking up in the morning and getting to go to work and doing all of those different kinds of things, those are people we want to run next to as long as we can. So they're going to lift our spirits. They're going to propel us further in life. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I get a, around a complainer, I want to just say, stop it. Just stop. There's a famous kind of video that talks about that. We're going to enjoy this together. Try again. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. <laughs> You're just pausing and go back to the beginning. That sounds great. Let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. 
Wow, okay. And I, and I, I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you, would you like to address? <clears throat> Whew, uh, I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it! <laughs> what, what, what else? <clears throat> well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! <laughs> like this therapy at all you're just telling me to stop it and and you and you don't you don't like that no i don't all right then let me uh, let me uh, give you 10 words that i i think will uh, clear everything up for you uh, you want you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one all right are you ready mm -hmm. all right here are the 10 words Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box! Oh, goodness, right? Just stop. Sometimes, sometimes when we're around a complainer, we just want to say stop. And, and I want you to know today that's one of the things God wants to say to us in our complaining. That's part of what he just says to us. Just stop. Luke chapter uh, 17, verses 11 through 19 this morning is where we're going to jump off. If you've got a Bible with you, if you've got a, a phone with uh, the YouVersion Bible app or another Bible app on there, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance. And crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! 
And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan, an outsider. Jesus asked, well, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one else returned to give glory to God except for this, this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up, go, your faith, your faith has healed you. Leprosy in Jesus' day, in the first century, was synonymous with the word outcast. Outcast. A disease that caused physical deformities. There was no way that you could hide it. There was no treatment for it. If you were found to have uh, leprosy, you were kicked out of the community. Here were the rules. Numbers chapter 5, verse 23 You were required to live outside the camp, outside the city, away from your family, away from your friends, away from everything you knew. Leviticus Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. You were required to shout, unclean, unclean, anytime anyone got close to you. You're walking down a road, down a path, and there's someone coming out uh, around the corner. You have to stop, move to the side, and shout, unclean, unclean. And everybody knows what that means. Leviticus chapter 14, verse 23. A priest had to examine you and declare you healed before you could re-enter society. And so the first surprise... The first surprise that these 10 lepers got that day was that Jesus just came and talked to them. Jesus just came and talked to them because nobody else did that. Everybody else kept their distance, but Jesus came to them. From the text, we know that they knew something about Jesus. They had heard about him. They, they know that, um, <coughs> excuse me, he's a man of God, that he's got great power, that he can heal even maybe a disease like theirs. Jesus responds to these 10 lepers in kind of a unique way. He just, he just sends them off. He says, go see the priest, and then on the way as they go, they're healed just think for a moment. Think for a moment what, a, what must be going through their minds. This kind of the excitement uh, starts to build up inside them. Wait, I can go back to my family? I can go back to my home? I can, I can see my community again? I can see my grandchildren play? I can, I can sit and have a meal with anyone that I want? And the excitement just kind of build and build as they point to each other and they, they talk about how they're feeling better and they can see the deformities kind of moving away and disappearing. Only one. Only one of the ten. Only one of the ten, though, breaks away from these thoughts and says, wait a second. 
This is wonderful. I'm so excited about what I get to go to. I'm so excited about getting to go to my family and having a meal with my community and going back home and all of these things. But wait, I have something to be thankful for. I have someone to say thank you to. And he goes back. He goes back to Jesus when the Samaritan, the outsider, is the only one to return, even Jesus seems a little caught off guard. Verse, or, uh, he says, um, I says, where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Were all of you healed? He doesn't know anything other to say than just thank you. I don't know where everybody else is, but thank you for what you did for me. And then in verse 19, Jesus says, rise, rise. Your faith has made you well. The word well there could just as easily easily be translated, your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. The Samaritan the Samaritan with leprosy. He gets something even better than just the physical healing that he received. He gets full acceptance. Full acceptance from God. In a similar way, the Apostle Paul, he warns those with knowledge of God but without faith in him. He says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. The other nine the other nine with leprosy, they act like we act so often. So focused, so preoccupied with what's happening in them, what's happening in their life. We don't stop and say thank you. We don't stop and have a heart that gets full of gratitude. I don't know if it, we don't get told exactly what happens here, but it, it reminds us of those, that verse from Romans chapter 1, maybe foolish thoughts entered into them. Because they didn't have gratitude, they didn't have thankfulness, they, maybe they were entitled. Maybe they felt like, hey, I deserve this. I, I, I dealt with this uh, illness long enough. I deserve to be healed. Maybe their attitude wasn't thank you. Maybe their attitude was it's about time. How often, how often do you and I miss something God is doing in our life? God is wanting to reveal to us. God is working because 
because we're not grateful. Because we're acting like the nine lepers who just go on with life and kind of pretend that nothing else happened. We're excited that God did something for us, but we're not grateful for it. We don't turn around and say thank you. We don't let gratitude just fill our heart. And it's clear in this passage that the nine missed something significant. The nine missed something beyond just their physical healing because of their lack of gratitude. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, God's speaking through the Apostle Paul. He's speaking through the Apostle Paul and He's giving them a history lesson, giving the Corinthians a a history lesson. He's reminding them about Israel wandering in the desert for 40 years. Just a quick recap of the story, if you're not familiar. Israel had been uh, in, in Egypt for 400 years. Most of that time they had been slaves. And They cried out to God again and again for uh, deliverance to be freed. And God finally, through ten miracles with Moses, he he frees them. He frees them. Uh, He he, 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 he opens the Red Sea. They walk across before Pharaoh can change his mind. They go out into the desert. God's presence leads them. By day and night, a cloud and a pillar of fire, his presence goes before them everywhere they go, three days into the journey. You know what the Israelites do? They start to complain. Why is it so hot out here? I'm thirsty. Can we have anything to drink? So God provides them something to drink. You think the complaining's over? No. Exodus chapter 16, verse 3, maybe one of the saddest verses in the Bible. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots of meat filled, or, uh, sorry, pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now we, you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us to death. In short, they're saying, you know what? We liked being slaves in a foreign land more than we liked being on our way to the promised land, something you were going to grant us, give us. We've forgotten about all the miracles that got us out of Egypt, forgotten all the ways that you have been with us. We wish we would have just died back there. We're hungry. God doesn't respond with anger, though. He responds with manna, bread from heaven, every morning. Okay, now we're fed. We got something to drink. We think everything's okay. No! Next complaint. It's always the same thing. It tastes the same every single morning, every single day. Do you get the picture? Do you get the picture of just rampant grumbling and chronic ingratitude, that there's no thankfulness. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, after the history lesson that Paul gives the Corinthians, God prompts Paul to warn them about four things. Four things. He says, hey, don't worship idols. Um, Be concerned about sexual immorality. Don't test God. And finally, in verse 10.10, don't complain and grumble. Don't complain and grumble. Somewhere along the line, we decided that complaining and grumbling wasn't really that big of a deal. That that God didn't really mind it that much. It was just kind of something that we do. That's wrong. It's not the truth. God cares about a complaining and a grumbling, especially when it just doesn't come out of our mouth. It it gets uh, planted in our hearts. He cares about it. He calls it sin. He says, stop. So we start to think about how we can kind of apply these words Really thought about showing that Bob Newhart video again. Right? Just, just stop. Because there's a, there's a part of it that's, that's just simply the answer. We got to just stop. Also, though, I want to make sure that I don't get misunderstood. And that somehow you walk out of here and you think, well, okay, if I can't complain, then I can't really uh, pray to God and ask him to change anything in my heart, in my life, in in a scenario. And that's not the case, right? I mean, we got to understand that there is a difference between going before God, praying to him, asking him to uh, change something, asking him to work in a situation, a scenario, and having a heart that has no gratitude in it. Those are two different things. I also hope, I also hope that we see that today that ingratitude, that entitlement is a weed that comes up in our life. It's a weed and that means we've got to pull it out and we've got to keep pulling them out, right? Because they keep coming up. I mean, it's not weed pulling season anymore. It's too cold for that. But we've all been kind of in a a mulch bed in the garden in the backyard, and we pulled some weeds for a few hours, maybe a whole day. Now, if we didn't go back and do anything for a month, what would happen? We went back to those mulch gardens, uh, that garden in the back, the vegetables. There'd be weeds, right? They'd come back, and they would have multiplied There's even more of them. It's the same thing with ingratitude, with unthankfulness. We gotta pluck it from our heart, from our life, and we gotta keep doing it. It's not enough just to say, hey, I did that once. I dealt with that kind of a few years ago. Yeah, I was in a bad spot, and now I'm just grateful. No, we gotta keep working on plucking out the ungratefulness from our heart. Keep evaluating. What are the thoughts I'm allowing myself to dwell on? I'm having a conversation with a friend, with a family member. What are the first things that come out of my mouth? Are they complaints? Is it grumbling? Is it thankfulness? 
When I wake up in the morning, do I think, oh my goodness, I got this and I got that and I got, you know, all of these things and this is happening and that's not happening? Or do we think, oh, this bed that I got to sleep in was comfortable. I'm in a warm place. There's so many things to be thankful for, grateful for in my life. Not just the physical things, but what about the spiritual things? What about the ways God works and moves the forgiveness he grants to you and me? Finally, perhaps you in your house and me in my house, maybe we need to adopt a new phrase. 214 it. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Kind of gets to the point, doesn't it? Maybe when you ask your kids to do something and they start to grumble and complain, maybe we should just get the Bible out and we should uh, read this verse together. Philippians 2.14 here, do everything without complaining and arguing. Now, if your kids are anything like my kids, though, you've got to be careful because they're going to turn that around on you real quick, right? I start to complain. I start to grumble. Hey, Dad, what was that verse you were telling me? Right? That becomes kind of an arrow to the heart. But what a great phrase. What a great way to remember God's call on us to be thankful, not to be grumblers and complainers. God has been so good to us. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He grants us forgiveness. He grants us life with him. We have every spiritual blessing in heaven and earth with us. We have so much to be thankful for. We should be the people who the world looks to and they say, you know what, it's amazing. I, you, we can say all these things about Christians and, and the things they believe and what they don't believe and they got this weird thing and that weird thing, but man, they are thankful people. I'm not always sure. That's what the world sees in us. But when I look at scripture, when I look at a story like uh, Luke chapter 10, Pretty sure that's one of the things they should see. They should see lives that have been transformed and hearts that are full of gratitude because of that transformation. Let's pray about that today. God, you have given us so many things to be grateful for. So many things to say thank you for. And God, this is a week in which we're going to be thinking about being thankful. We kind of have a cultural uh, kind of time with thankfulness all around this week, and that's wonderful, God. We celebrate that. But I'm really concerned if we're just thankful one week a year, just a couple of times a month, we're just thankful when something really good happens, 
Because God, you call us to be thankful always. Philippians 2.14, God says that we do everything without grumbling and complaining. If we're not going to grumble and complain, God, that means we're thankful. My prayer today is that this week as we focus on being thankful for the many blessings in our life, God, that we are thankful for not just the physical things, God, but today we are also thankful for the spiritual things you're doing in us. God, my prayer is that our thankfulness doesn't end when Thanksgiving dinner is finished and the turkey's in the refrigerator. My prayer is our thankfulness goes on and on and on because I believe, I believe one of the places we find happiness is yes, first in you, but it's also when we're thankful. Thankful for the simple things, thankful for the great things, thankful just even for the hard things. We have people to walk through scenarios with God that we have you to go through life with. I believe that gratitude can transform our heart and our attitude and make us more like you. Help that to happen in me. Help that to happen in every person here today. In your name we pray.